Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. We're going to talk about anointing. We're going to talk about what God's anointing is, depending on what your Christian church background is. You might hear different things from different church traditions, depending on, oh, you might not afford anything about anointing, depending on your church tradition. You might have uh, seen different things in the scripture and seen it done in different ways, and it doesn't quite make sense. Uh, basically, what I want to do is kind of strip all that away, like we do a lot of times, start from scratch, assuming we know nothing, and talk about uh, the basics of what anointing is, how to receive anointing, and why it's so important in a Christian's life. So, what we usually do, and I'm going to do again, is when we're talking about something like this, I want to give us some working definitions because we all define words differently. So let's figure out how we're going to de- start the definition today. Uh, at least to help, there's two. One, uh, it could be ceremonially conferred divine touch uh, by rubbing of oil. Um, you're going to see this played out, again, different ways at different places here. Um, there's times that if someone's being called to be an elder. Some, I remember when Mike was ordained as a pastor, uh, our worship pastor here. When we have those type of situations or a staff member, a lot of times we will have anointing oil on our hands and we will lay hands on that person to pray over that person as a church um, to receive an anointing. Sometimes that's what that refers to. And I can refer to um, baby dedications here. We uh, are not a church that does baby baptisms. We do believe the scripture teaches that baptism is a personal choice after you accept Jesus as leader forgiving your life to fulfill our righteousness. But we do see baby dedications in the scripture. And so there's been multiple times that we've had parents have a, a youngin. Uh, it's not, not always is it a baby. Sometimes it's a toddler or someone's a little bit older uh, and they're doing a little retro fit. And uh, they'll come up and we will... Um, do a dedication where the parents are dedicating themselves to raise the child in the faith. They're asking their family to, to dedicate themselves to helping, their church family dedicate and helping. And uh, with the oil on my, my hands, we will pray over the, the child uh, and dedicate them to the, the Lord. Uh, so you see it in those type of situations, uh, and you'll, you'll see it sometimes in healing situations, biblically, when so, someone is coming to the elders to be prayed over for healing. Uh, we use anointing oil. So that, that's kind of a, a play out of that first definition. The second definition is the consecrate or made uh, sacred, something that's dedicated to God. Uh, so that still kind of tells with the first ones, but sometimes you see us anoint somebody that's getting ready to go on a special mission. Uh, maybe it's a mission trip. Maybe they're starting a new ministry in town. Maybe they're joining um, a, a ministry as well. <clears throat> that just guys calling something special or season. Uh, sometimes we we'll do, do things for a new season like Mike was talking about what we're heading into. Uh, and sometimes you see it over buildings as well. Um, Old Testament, that when they built the tent of meeting, uh, talks about them anointing the tent and pouring oil over the tent to uh, anoint it for its special purpose. Uh, sometimes you see that a little bit more. Um, maybe someone gets a new house. I've been called several times. Maybe something bad had happened in the house that they feel it's given it some, some spiritual stronghold. Um, and they want to dedicate their house to the Lord to go over and pray together and anoint the house as well. So there's a lot of different ways that it plays up, but I don't know if it's necessarily something that we try to do in such a way where it's like the anointing. You know, it's just something that the Spirit's doing. And the anointing is something that we have to consummate that and to partner with the Spirit, somewhat like what we have with communion. 
or baptism. So um, we're going to talk about today. Uh, is everybody good with that? Everybody in? Everybody in? Everybody in? I will say this. Um, anointing is powerful stuff. Uh, it is unbelievably awesome when you receive the anointing, and it can be absolutely dangerous when you decide not to receive the anointing. I'll give you this example. Um, one of the times I got myself in the most trouble given a sermon um, was, see, how long ago would this been? 27 years ago, maybe? I, I grew up at a church called Harmony Baptist um, in another city, and it, 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 I've, I've shared it with you before. It's an ironic name because it was never Harmony there, it was just a church that kept going through struggle after struggle after struggle. Uh, and there was a period of time that they asked me to come back as a youth pastor, and I went back for a couple of years. Um, and unfortunately, it, it just was never a place that had harmony. And it, it was a bad, bad situation yet again with a bad pastor. And uh, after I left uh, and some other people left, they finally, finally let him go when they found out he was beating his wife at home. Um, and then there was a couple of bad interims, and then a new guy came into place. And the new guy called me one day. This is when Jenny and I was dating. And uh, I'd never met him before, but he's like, hey, I've been listening to the tapes of the old business meetings. I just want to let you know. Um, I just really respect the things you did and how you handled yourself and the things that you said, and da -da -da, which usually is either very flattering or kind of a red flag when someone's that you know, flattering to you. And he asked, he said, they're going to be voting on me um, in three weeks to become the new pastor, and I would like to invite you to come and speak. And um, again, I was, I, I would accept it either way, but I was also young and stupid. And uh, so I, I went, and I just, what's the best thing to preach about? Fresh anointing. They need a new start. They, they need the spirit in a fresh and new way. And being somebody who's had so many years of experience there, we, I talked about um, the challenges that they have been through and that need a fresh anointing. This is what anointing looks like. And don't do anything. Don't do anything stepping forward from this place without the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit, uh, which I thought was pretty simple. That shouldn't be too bad, should it? Uh, my mom was nervous, but mom was always nervous because she was always afraid that people were going to lynch me sooner or later. And, uh, and the guy got up and he walked out in the middle of it and uh, angry and they decided to vote against him and he split the church in half and started a new church someplace else and other people limped on some more. Um, so if it goes bad, it can go bad. We're talking about powerful stuff. This isn't just some little simple Christian church thing. It's, but when, when you lean into it, and I'll talk about what that could have looked like if they did, um, that can be quite beautiful. Quite powerful. So, are you sure you still want to go into it? Yeah. Are we still good? Okay. Okay, so let me give you a couple quick points. Um, if I'm punchy today, I apologize. We had show choir yesterday all day. Uh, I'm a little tired. Uh, I'm never all that good anyways, but uh, let's see what we get into. There's a couple points that, yeah, but, but that just to start again for our note takers. A couple things. Hey, Donna. I'm glad you're here, baby. Um, first off, know this. All of us are anointed in Christ. Um, really, really important that you underline the words in Christ. Not everyone is anointed. It's those who have accepted Jesus as a leader and forgiven their life. When he sends the Spirit and it dwells within us. Uh, so if you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven your life by acknowledging with your mouth he's the Son of God and believing your heart he died and rose again, and you're following him, then you're anointed. You have the Holy Spirit within you. But anointing is also renewing. And the anointing is a constant 
renewal. It puts in mind, I remember the scripture, I'm not going to remember the reference off the top of my head, of the tree planted next to the stream. And that the stream, that tree is constantly being filled and, and nourished from the stream. That's, that's kind of what we're looking at with anointing. So there could be anointing when you first come to Jesus as leader for giving your life. There could be anointing um, for a special calling that he has on your for what's next, for the purpose he's created for, for. But there also could be an anointing because things have gotten dry and you need to plug back into the stream. So there's a, a lot of places where the anointing comes into. But I think to get a good overview of it, I always like looking in the scripture of uh, someone going through it. And uh, so I want to take you guys there. Again, there's Bibles around the room. If you uh, need one, keep, want to keep one, take one. Great. You version's up and running, but we're going to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to look at an anointing, uh, a particular type of anointing, when it comes to the life of David. Uh, now, for those who don't know much about David, David had a, he became king of Israel. He's an awesome story of highs and lows, uh, mostly highs. But uh, he was not the first king of Israel. Israel very badly wanted a king. God did not want to give them a king. He wanted them to trust him directly. But they were jealous of the other nations around them. So he finally gave them a king. And he anointed a guy named Saul through the prophet Samuel. And we'll talk about him a little bit at the end. But let's just say Saul was a train wreck. And uh, people were having problems with Saul and concerns about Saul. And so at one point, God decides he's going to remove his hand, remove his anointing from Saul and anoint someone else. That's when it goes bad. That's when you're not leading an anointing. It goes to somebody else. And this is the person that, that God decides to accept. Samuel, the prophet he was working through, was very, very disappointed because he really thought Saul was going to be the real deal. And so he's grieving this move, and that's where we're going to pick it up in verse 1 now that Chuck got that out of his system. Bless you, Chuck. So let's read a little. Let's see what we've got here. Verse 1 of chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, again, the prophet, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go if Saul hears about it or have me killed? And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him, trembling, and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. So they, they're already nervous. The prophet of the Lord's coming, that something's not right. But he says, I'm coming peaceably. And he uh, consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So when they came, he looked at Eli, remember, I go for a syllable and the I, Eli, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him, because he just looked the poet. He just, I mean, he's the Russell Crowe of the group, right? But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I'm going to reread that again, because somebody needs to hear that. Okay? I... For the Lord sees not as a man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on your heart. Then Je Jesse called Abby and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Sh uh, Shammy pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. 
Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are you sure all your sons are here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, but uh, behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down until he uh, comes here. And he sent and he brought David in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David, obviously the only son that they gave a normal name to, from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. So again, Samuel, not even being considered a possibility by his own father, is the one that God is looking for. So when we look at this, again, going back to our note takers, uh, I'll give you a couple of things that stand out when it comes to anointing. The first thing is, since someone's anointed, they're set apart. They are set apart. Um, and this really kind of goes back to our last two weeks of studies about having that distinct lifestyle. Ask that question, what do you do in life as a Christian that others say, well, of course Nate does that. He's a Christian. Or, of course Pat does that because he's a Christian. What, what do we see is from a distinctive standpoint that Christians look like instead of what the world looks like, that sees things from God's viewpoint on the heart instead of how... Um, how the world sees things. So we're back to that distinctive lifestyle. The, la the uh, um, oh, I just lost his name. But the 22 questions, Wesley's 22 questions from last week, going through those and asking those questions uh, as part of your devotional. Uh, simple questions, but challenging questions. I thought some of those were challenging. Did you not? Uh, actually, we were at Java Group. Now everybody that was there was like, crap. Uh, but we were at Java Group uh, Tuesday night, and Allie was talking about a couple. And she was referring to them by number. And I said, what, what did they mean? What numbers would the, you don't have to say what numbers, because then people will look them up. But let's say two and 17. Like, and I'm like, well, what are they? Like, I memorized this thing. She's like, well, if you've been doing them in your devotions, then you would know. I don't, you know how I am with details. You know how I am with details. So I don't remember. I just, I gave you guys the list. Oh, yeah, that's great. High five each other. Pastoral abuse is still a sin. Um, We're counseling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pastor. I can pray about you later. You uh, but this really comes back to the set apart that when we are anointed, when we are called, that that's part of our, our living. First uh, Peter 2.9 that I've given you there, we, we have gotten into a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but just to bring it back to the freshness, is that we are a chosen race. Um, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for his possession, uh, that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. So God's anointed do live differently, and we should look differently. And we have to, that, again, those, those questions come back into place. But the, another thing that the anointing does uh, to kind of move forward a little bit is it gives us power. God's anointing gives us power. Um, when you look at David's life, the thing that's most interesting to me about David's life, God took his hand off Saul. God put it on David. You're the next king. You're not king yet. They had to still deal with Saul being in the wool, even though he's no longer God's anointed for a season. And David had to learn the process of how to be under someone else that God has not removed yet uh, in a biblical, in a good way, a godly way, in a distinctive lifestyle way. And he needed power for that. It got so bad that, again, Saul was trying to kill David. He was chasing David down. He had to go into exile. There was a lot of challenge that he needed God's power for, and it didn't stop, and he became king. Um, if you go over to Psalms 18, we've got there, because I'm going to read a little bit of this. 
Um, and you don't need to keep your place um, in First Samuel. Uh, we'll, we'll just kind of keep going through here. But Psalm 18 is one that was written by David. David didn't write all the Psalms, but he wrote many of them. And this particular moment where we find David is David is king, but he has another nation coming against the Israelites, which is pretty common that Israel is always under attack. Uh, so he's got outside forces coming to attack. And then he's also received information about an inside mutiny that has started when he writes this psalm. So he's facing danger from outside and inside. And, uh, I mean, it is obviously greatly on his heart. If he just even verses 1 through 3, I love you, O Lord, my strength. This is how he starts the song in the middle of all this trouble. The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. With that anointing comes that outlook and that understanding of power. If we consider, uh, continue over verse 31, I'm going to read a good chunk of this because I think his writing is beautiful, especially when you remember the, the place that he is sitting and the, the uh, struggles and the circumstances that surround him. For who is God but the Lord? And who uh, is a rock except for our God? The God who equipped me with strength and made my way b uh, blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me. And your gen gentleness made me great. For uh, you gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. I pursued my enemies and overtook them and did not turn back till they were consumed. I thrust them through so that they are not able to rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for the battle. You made those who rise against me sink under me. You made my enemies turn their backs to me and those who hated me I destroyed. They cried for help, but there was none to, be to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust before the wind. I cast them out like mire of the streets. You delivered me from the strife of the people. You made me the head of the nations. People whom I had not known served me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed me. Foreigners came cringing to me. Foreigners lost, and they came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation, the God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king, and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David, and his offspring forever. I love that. No matter what circumstances we're in, when you're God's anointed, and you know that he is your stronghold, this is our heart. This is our heart. The other thing that this introduces, the third one I'll throw out to you, is that God's anointing brings protection. God's anointing brings protection. Um, as in many things that are, are sacred sentiments to us, um, they started in another way and then they've been f fulfilled in God's ways. For instance, again, communion is uh, the Christ fulfilled aspect of the Lord's Supper. I mean, of the uh, Passover meal has become the Lord's Supper. Um, the The Washing ceremonies of the Jewish nation being uh, fulfilled into baptism in Jesus Christ. Um, the anointing with oil is older than, than that, um, but nonetheless comes from a metaphor. 
that lets us connect to the Holy Spirit. Anointing originally came from how shepherds took care of sheep. Uh, that metaphor comes up a lot, obviously. But one of the things that they had with sheep, when you look in the very, very early Old Testament uh, days, in that culture, in that time, sheep were dirty. And because of that, they would often attract flies, mites, fleas, different types of insects. And if there's different types of insects that were smaller burrowed into their skin, it would bring uh, health issues. And if they burrowed into their ears deep enough, it would kill the sheep. And so what the shepherd would do, if you, has anybody ever seen a video of this, like in a previous Bible study or anything? It's kind of weird looking. Because um, they, 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 they pour oil over their head, and the oil is like a really thick oil. So it's better to almost vision it like they just pour a big old can of honey over a sheep's head, and it goes over the ears and the face, and everything. then they just leave it. Uh, it just looks weird. But the reason for it is for when the mites and the animals, the, the different things come, they can't get to the sheep anymore. They just fall right off. Uh, that, that is the original pic picture of what anointing came from, is that we're anointed with oil oftentimes on the head for that reason, uh, for his protection and for the things that he does for us. I'll give you a couple scriptures to go along with that. Uh, the first one being, what have we got first? First Thessalonians 3.3, 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. That's part of the anointing, part of God's protection over us. First, second Thessalonians 3.3, 3, I'm buying time so people can write it down. People are still looking up. They're still looking down. Okay, everybody's good. Here we go. Right, da, 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 too long. Next one, Proverbs 18.10. Oh, Lisa lost patience before I did. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man, run, oh, righteous woman, runs into it and is safe as part of God's anointing in our lives as well. There really is a beauty to the anointing when we receive it. I wonder and have often wondered because the pastor that I was talking about at Harmony, I still know who he is today. I didn't know him well then, but he had issues. He still has issues. Uh, the church plant that he did did not last long, unfortunately, which and I say unfortunately because people get hurt by that. Um, but I wonder often if on that Sunday, if instead of walking out, he got up and came to the altar to receive God's anointing, what things would it look like next? As I tell you, I know the elders would come with him because the elders did come without him. I would tell you other people in the church would have come with him because they came without him. But how changed would he have been and the church have been if they said, you whatever it looks like, we just want God's anointing instead of trying to protect their own status quo or their own comfortability. It would have been greatly, greatly different. Um, same thing with Saul. If you look at Saul, uh, you can look at it a little bit later if you want to. I'll give you the first verse of chapter 10 from First uh, Samuel, uh, this is before, again, David, when Saul was anointed. Samuel took a flask of oil and put it on Saul's head and kissed him and said, Has not the Lord anointed you to be prince over his people Israel? And you shall reign over the people of the Lord, and you shall save them from the hand of the surrounding enemies. And this shall be a sign to you that the Lord has anointed you to be prince over his heritage. He received the anointing, but he did not stay with the Lord and lost that anointing, lost, lost his hand from being on him. Um, and they had signs of it. It's really kind of interesting. If you, if you get time at home, read the rest of chapter 10. Um, because Saul, uh, 
he, he stood out to everybody because he was a head taller than everybody else. Like when he stood, he was just this massive guy. And everybody thought, well, that's what a king should look like, right? Because um, people were looking at it not like how God looks at things. But they had a sign, and th this is still one of the funniest stories in the Bible to me. Not, not the funniest, but one of the funniest, is that they, they went to make Saul king, and they had a big ceremony, and people came from all over, right, to be there. And so they literally intend, it shows this picture, there, there's the prophet and tons and tons of people, and, and, and they're all, all traveled. He says, I present to you your king, this is Tom's version of it, and no one could find him. He was nowhere to be found. Like it's one of those things that you see in a movie, like, where are they, where are they, where'd they go, where'd they go? And they couldn't find him. And then finally, literally, it says, the Lord said, so I don't know if he said it to Samuel, if it came out of the clouds, or I assume he said to Samuel, he's hiding amongst the luggage. That's it. Like all the luggage that everybody brought with them for the travels over here, he's hiding in the luggage because he's too scared to come out. And they had to go get him and drag him up to make him king. I still think that's funny, especially when he's bigger than anybody else. But that's what happens when you don't receive when he invites you to have the anointing. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.